I don't know how many of you watched or if you did like me, I recorded uh, the Queen's funeral yesterday because I wouldn't be home where I could watch it. It started early in the morning. But anyway, I watched about a great portion of it last night and I want to complete watching the rest of it. But, uh, you know, more people, I, I, this is just my opinion. I certainly don't have any data to support it, but I do believe they're saying now that billions watch the funeral. And as I thought about that, I thought probably more people heard more about God than they've ever heard at any one other thing in my lifetime. And um, the, the scriptures were read, the scriptures were uh, sung. They, they, it just, as I sat there and listened to that, I thought, you know, um, you, you certainly kind of came away from that. Whatever people want to believe about God, they sure heard a lot about God yesterday in that funeral. You know, some have said that the next spiritual awakening, which many of us pray that we would have, we sure need one in America. And of course, the whole thing about spiritual awakening is like that's like a spiritual revival in the land. Actually, the very first of those really came out of England. And some have said for years, and I've kind of wondered, well, why would they say such a thing? Arthur Blissett, for one, has said that the next spiritual awakening would come from London. I thought, well, I, how in the world would Arthur Blissett come with that? Well, I don't know about that, but I know this. Uh, a pile of people heard a lot about God yesterday. It's also interesting. I printed off the program this morning. You know, they didn't invite me to the funeral. And so I didn't have a program, but I went on my computer just like you can do. And we could, you can actually print off the very program that you saw if you watched it that they had, which is just filled with all the scripture readings. Now, I've not checked all of it, but I was listening yesterday as the archbishop was reading scripture and others reading scripture. And it's interesting, part of what I heard, and I didn't catch on to it till it came from the New King James Version. And what makes that interesting to me is the King James Version, the old 1611 King James Version, which many of us grew up with. You know, it was the King of England, King Charles, that, uh, uh, that said, uh, he wanted a translation so in all the different churches the same translation be read. And I thought, well, you know, maybe they've progressed to the new King James. Well, that's just all an extra tidbit that uh, won't cost any extra. Open your Bible to page 1074. I'm very excited about what I'm going to be talking about today. 1074, and you'll be in the book of James. And, you know, I want to show you four words today that you need to remember and especially so when you're trying to make decisions. Most all of us have decisions. Sometimes they're large, sometimes they're lesser. But, you know, many times we make our decisions, we make our plans, and we never do remember these four words. And I want to show them to you. On page 1074, you'll be in the book of James, you'll be in chapter 4, and look down with me in verse 13 and following. It says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Well, that's the understatement. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, now here come the four words, if 
the Lord wills. Now, if you had your Bible, I'd say underline it. Well, you can underline the Bible you have. Just don't take it home with you. All right. <laughs> if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and that. You know, those four words, if the Lord wills. Now, let me give a personal illustration that would be something that you could relate to that, that as I was trying to think about, you know, so many times in, in our life, we've made decisions. It didn't work out like we had planned. Now, you've done that. We've all done that. And you look back on them and you say, well, now, you know, did you pray about that matter before you did it? Well, here's, here's what I want to share with you. In 2018, in the year 2018, Dottie and I decided that we would like to take another group to the Holy Land in 2019. So, you know, to, to do the Holy Land trip, you have, to, you have to work on that about, really about 11 months out if you're going to get airplane seats and hotel rooms. So it's not, you can't wait till the time. So in 2018, we said, let's us try a trip in September. We've never been in September. It ought to be a great time to go. It'd be cool. <laughs> the fact of the matter was, it was probably the hottest any group ever had. You know, weather's gone crazy. You don't know how to plan anything. But that was what we planned. And not only that, in 2018, Dottie said, now look, next year on our anniversary, I have a place that I've always wanted to go, and I want us to plan to go. So we did, we did both. We planned the trip. And we look forward to both of those trips. Now, you know, in 2019, now we planned all that in 2018. In 2019, in March of 2019, we learned, Dottie learned, and we all learned that Dottie had lymphoma. And, you know, that, that kind of threw a, a, a wrench into our plans. Uh, that ended our going to the Holy Land. That ended are taking this anniversary trip that Dottie so much wanted to take. By the way, let me say, I never did want to go on that trip. So I got over that. But, but, but she's always wanted to go, and we planned it, and I, I, I'm still thankful. We, I, I'm sorry she had lymphoma, but I am glad we missed that particular trip. Now, the trip went on. Jimmy Hervick and Tom Gamble, who had been with us uh, other Holy Land trips, they were so gracious, said, Pastor, we, we know you want to go, but you can't go, and, and so we'll be glad to go. And they went, and they did a great job, and it was a great trip, having said all of that. Now, while that was going on, <laughs> which is what we plan to do. Well, instead of being in the Holy Land, <laughs> we were at MD Anderson. Promise, it's not the Holy Land. And Dottie was there taking chemo starting in May, and so we dealt with that in 2019 uh, from, from May right on up to almost the end of the year as she went through all the chemotherapy treatments and other things that you go through. Now, we got to 2020, where we finished 2019. We didn't go to Holy Land, didn't go on that trip. Now we planned it, but it didn't work out. But so we have the year 2020, and then we have the year 2021, and then we have the first nine months of the year 2022, where we are now. So we've got this span of time that what Dottie is doing during this span of time it's after the chemo. Many of you have been through chemo. You've had family go through chemo. You know there's a lot of there's a lot of follow-up to that. So it started out every three months. We have to go back to MD Anderson, Dottie go through all this stuff. We go back and get a report to be sure the lymphoma hadn't come back. 
And then we did the three months for a while, and then they extended it to the six months where it's been all this time. Now, I share all that to say this. Last Tuesday, of course, I was not here. I was at MD Anderson with Dottie for her six-month, what all she has to go through on six months. Last Wednesday, the day following, I'm back with Dottie again, and we downtown at MD Anderson to meet the, the major doctor that's been her major doctor through this whole thing to get our report from the scans and the tests that she had just gone through, our six-month report. And uh, we're back in this very same waiting area where we've been uh, almost three years, and finally they call her, and she, we go back. They let me go back with her, and we go back, and, and the doctor comes, and, and the report was just an excellent report. And, and what was so good about that report at the end of it, Dr. Rodriguez said, now, you know, I think what we'll do now, we're going to extend your stuff to one year so you don't have to come back for a whole year. We've been waiting on that for almost three years to get to the one year and go back. Well, we were just elated over that, thankful to God. And I share that because many of you prayed for her and cared, and we will always be thankful and pray that you'll continue from time to time remembering your prayers. But be that as it may, we left that little examining room and went back out of that huge uh, lobby area where you sit in the lymphoma department for your call back. We, we had been in that room for almost three years, uh, off and on in that room, and some of those times had been very difficult times and others less difficult. But be that as it may, we left the little doctor's exam room, got out in that, and Dottie said, let's just sit down over here in a corner in this room where we've sat many times and pray and thank the Lord for what we've learned today. And we did. Then what we did, Dottie had this plan. Uh, she said, I want to go now downstairs to the park. Now, if you are familiar with MD Anderson, Downstairs in MD Anderson, they have uh, an area they call the park. And really what it is, it's an indoor mall. It, it's kind of got a wing going this way. And it has some nice little shops. But it has kind of like a Starbucks. It's not Starbucks, but it's a Starbucks-like thing where you can go. It's open 24 hours a day. And so if you're there and you've got a patient in a room and 2 o'clock in the morning, you want to get coffee or whatever, you can go down to the park. She said, I want to go down to the park. And I want us to get us a latte and just sit at one of those tables we've sat at all these times we've been here and just reflect on our three years of what we've been through. And we did. In fact, I, you know, the old saying is a picture is worth a thousand words. Would you agree with that? I have a picture of Dottie right there. There Dottie is in the park. And she said, and we've been in that park so many times. And, and, you know, I was excited, but she was double excited. Now, having said all that, I put in the church bulletin Sunday that, and we waited until we got our report last Wednesday before I, I, I made public. We have, we already had planned we sought the Lord in it and planned and said, now, God, if Dottie gets a good report on this, on this one we just finished, we're, we're going to hope we get a year's extension and, and we're going to take another group to the Holy Land. And so we had that schedule, but we didn't like pull the ripcord on that till last, till last Wednesday afternoon. And, and so we're looking forward in, in October. I'm going to try October next time. Now, I've never been to Holy Land in October to go back to Holy Land. Now, having said all that, and it really has something to do with those four words, sometimes people ask me, Pastor, what started you and Dottie going to the Holy Land? How did you ever get into this? 
For we've been, I think, 16 times. Last trip that we didn't go would have been 17, but we've been 16 times. Well, let me just say that little nutshell. In the, in the, I went to be pastor out of seminary to the First Baptist Church in the north city of Tennessee in uh, night, January 1973. And we had been there three years. And on our third anniversary in that church, they had a big deal. And they had her family come, my family come. And part of that deal was they gave our family of four trips to the Holy Land. Now, it's very thoughtful, but John and Joel were real little. And I didn't want to go over there with them that small. Plus, I'll be honest, I never had been to the Holy Land. And I really didn't particularly want to go to the Holy Land. I didn't say that out loud to anybody, but, you know, I thought, man, I want to go to the mountains or the beach. I, I, this, I, in my mind, I just pictured the whole land as being like a, a desert. And I thought, what in the world? I want? But anyway, I said to the church, I thanked them, of course, and said, you know, if you don't mind, I'd like the boys to get a little older and then we'll go on the trip. And they said, fine. Well, six, seven years more go by and we've still never gone to the Holy Land. And then the Lord leads us from that church to the First Baptist Church in Sulphur Springs and we never had taken the trip. So the church said, well, here's what we'll do. You never did take the trip, but we set the money aside. People have given to it. We'll just give you the money that we had to go to the Holy Land six years earlier, it may cost more now, but this is what we had then. And then maybe one day you can go. So we go to Sulphur Springs. We've been there about a year or two. And one day a man came to see me who was a Methodist. And he owned a travel agency in Sulphur Springs. And he said to me, you have a good number of people in the church that want to go to the Holy Land. I wish you'd get up a group and go. And I said to him, I've never been to the Holy Land, and I'm not going to take a group anywhere I've never been. He said, I figured you'd say that. Here's the deal. I've been numbers of times. If you will go and take a group, I personally will go. I'll be over everything. All you'll have to do will be the devotionals. You don't have to worry about anything. I'll do everything. And I thought, well, now that's the deal of all deals. And so that was my first trip to the Holy Land. Well, I learned this. I was, I was really wrong about that because, as I learned very quickly, it's not all desert, it's not all sand, and it's a very, very special place. Um, you, you might want to read this later in your Bible today. If you get Psalm 76, you say, how am I going to remember that? Well, remember when you were 76. <laughs> if you say, well, I'm not that old. Well, pray you get to be 76. Remember 76. If you read about the first two verses in Psalm 76, you'll see exactly one of the reasons I love going to the Holy Land. So that's whatever got us started. Now, another question people ask me is, why in the world do you continue to go back to the Holy Land? You know, I used to go about every other year, sometimes every three years. Why do you just keep going back to the Holy Land? Well, here's why. Number one, we love it. We love it. And you have places you like to go. And if you have a place you really like to go, you like to go back, no matter how many times you've been. But number two, over these years, I've seen the impact that it makes on the lives of people who see the places they've read about in their Bible. They, they never come back the same, ever, ever, ever. 
And so, I, you know, I just, I thought one of the best things I can do is just take as many people as I can. And, and I think that has worked out real good. Now, a question I'm asked about the Holy Land that I don't know how to answer. Here's what it is. What is your favorite place in the Holy Land? And I just say to people, I, 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 I can't answer that. I don't have a favorite place. I have a lot of favorite places in the Holy Land. Now, I'm going to be totally honest. You'll be disappointed. All of my favorite places in the Holy Land are not spiritual. Like one of my favorite places in the Holy Land is lunch in a garden outdoors in Jericho. You know, Jericho, some say is the oldest city in the world. I don't think that's true. It's one of the oldest cities in the world, but it's a, it's a poor, you talk about a poor place. It's poor. But we have this lunch in this outdoor garden that, Really, at its best, isn't very pretty, but it is a fantastic. And then another one of my favorite. It's not spiritual. Y'all just thought I didn't do anything except spiritual stuff. And now, all right, another one of my favorite places is is uh, the pottery place that I take the group to in Jericho. I love it. I'll tell you why I love it. When I first started going, the grandfather who owned it ran it, and then his son took it over. And his son's still there, but he didn't do anything. He just kind of hangs around. His son runs it. And they're the most honest people. They're the most kind people. I mean, if you get back home and something doesn't ship right, I've had their cell number you can just call. They're, I just love going to that place. But I thought what might be interesting today, I thought about, you know, I think I'm going to mention some places today that I think if you went to the Holy Land might be some of your special places. And so let me do that. And we have the pictures going up on the screen. One of these is the Valley of Armageddon. Now, in your Bible, there that's not Armageddon, that's Church. There, thank you, thank you. Valley of Armageddon. That's Church of the Promise. And we'll be there in a minute. All right, turn to page 1098 in your Bible. I want you to see the word Armageddon in the Bible. Uh, it is in the Bible. You hear about it, but like to be able to go, now you'll be in Revelation, you'll be in chapter 16, and you'll be in verse number 16. 16, 16, it says, they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. And that word Armageddon comes, uh, it's, the, it's the word that comes from uh, Mount Megiddo. Mount Megiddo was a very strategic city built on top of cities and you, you climb up it and you look over and you see the valley of Armageddon. This is where the final war will be fought. Christ will return. Those of us who are believers will come with him all on our white horses and that is going to be the battle between good and evil and it's going to be a very, very blessed place. Now, one of the things I do when we are there, we're up on Megiddo, I say to the people, the guide will give all this information, and then he's finished, and I say, now, folks, what I want you to do, I want you to just look down here. Here's where, here's where this thing ends, right here, the Jezreel Valley, and think about family and friends that you know and have that are not ready for this, and let's just scatter out up here for about 10 minutes and pray for them. And it's one of the most meaningful times that we ever have. I'll tell you another place that is a magnificent place is the Church of the Primacy. That's where they had it a while ago. There we go. That's a little church like they built there. But to the, to the right of that is the Sea of Galilee. And you read about that in John chapter 21. And that's where 
you know, uh, Peter and the disciples were out fishing, couldn't catch any fish, and Jesus told them, throw the net on the other side, and they caught all these fish, and they came in, and that's where um, Jesus cooked breakfast, cooked fish for breakfast, and, and, and then he asked Peter if he loved him. Remember that little story, you love me? He told him what to do. That, the thing that I make love so much about that, that's where Jesus gave Peter a second chance. And let me ask you, aren't you glad God gives us a second chance? Yeah, I love the chance. That's John's probably favorite place to do a devotional. Uh, it's just a powerful place. And then uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. We won't turn to it, but you read about it in John chapter 18. You're right next door to it. It doesn't use the word Gethsemane in John, but it does in Matthew and it does in Luke. It does, it does in Mark, Matthew and Mark, not Luke. Luke and John don't use the word Gethsemane. But that's the garden where Jesus often go to pray. And we go into that garden. and Now, that's the garden that every tourist is going to see right there. But right across a little alley, there's this, there's this concrete wall. And there's, there's a gate there. And there's an old man. And if you'll give him money, he'll open that gate. <laughs> Everything's about money, isn't it? Even in the whole land, it's about, and he'll let you in and leave you out there about 45 minutes. So, so we, which back in Jesus' day, all that would have been part of the garden. What's happened in modern day, they've, they've kind of walled off part of it. But we go in there as our group and we pray and we look up and we see the Eastern Gate. And uh, boy, I've prayed many prayers. I've watched our people scatter out and pray many prayers in that garden. It's just such a very special place. It is indeed a special place. And then, of course, Golgotha. Uh, you got a picture of Golgotha going up there. That's, what, that's the hillside where Christ was crucified. And right, uh, right down at the bottom of it is the Damascus Gate. It'll be a very busy day in Jesus' day. It's very busy today. Interesting today, at the bottom of it, there's a bus station. It's, it's, it's not quite like it was in Jesus' day, but it's where all the people would go by and see people crucified, and that is one of our absolute favorite places. And then the empty tomb. I thought, you know, I, I can't not mention that. that that's just an experience. It's like, you know, we go there and have a lecture. By the way, England owns the uh, the garden tomb. They own the whole the air. That that whole thing belongs to England, and uh, the people that run it are English people. Um, every Easter, the last two or three years, Dr. Kendall has done the worship service in the garden. They invite him to come and do that. But to get to actually walk in the tomb, come out, I mean, it's a feeling like none other. Now, you know, you may or may you may have been the whole land, may not, may never go. That's not the point. The point is this. Um, you know, whatever we plan, we, we need to remember those four words. Those four words, if the Lord wills. Now, Dottie and I are going to take, we're going to take a vacation of about a week and two days and uh, somewhere up in October. I forget the exact dates. And Dottie came up with this most unique idea yesterday. Now, she didn't even know what I'm talking about today. She said, you know, we're planning this vacation. We're trying to plan where to go or we're trying to plan if we want to go anywhere. We just want to be off or do we want to go somewhere? And she came up with this most unusual idea. She said, why don't we pray and ask God if it's his will, we go. I said, well, I'm talking about that tomorrow. 
She said, well, why don't we do something about it today? I'll tell you, have you ever noticed how your wife can be like the Holy Spirit, you know? So yesterday and this morning, we went in the living room, sat down, said, Lord, we're trying to plan our, what we're going to do. It may be do nothing. Maybe just enjoy going nowhere. Or it may be if we want to go somewhere. But God, we just want to do what you, I look, you know, as I say that, and I'll say this and stop. I would give anything if I could go back in my life, and so would you. Now, we can't live life this way, but you learn from your mistakes. But thinking about all the plans, decisions that I've made all my life, and I'll say this, many of them, hopefully most, I wish it were all, but it's not. I had prayed before I did that. God, now I want to really know your will. And you say, well, how will you ever know? I'll tell you how I know. It's you have to have peace in your heart. The Bible says, let, you know, let peace rule your heart. So if something's God's will, he'll finally give you a peace about it. Well, we can't go backwards, but I'll tell you what we can do. We can go forward. I just pray that in all of our planning, we always remember those words, if the Lord wills. And Father, that is my prayer today for myself, for my family. And for everybody in this room, God, the better we would all be if we sought your will about things we plan and just ask you, God, is this something you would want me to do? Or is this maybe not something I need to do instead of making our plans by our own feelings? Now, God, give us a good rest of this week. And I just pray today that as we have an opportunity, we'd be an encouragement to others. In Jesus' name, amen.